Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. No awkward silence? None? God didn't even let me get a second of it tonight. What'd you say? No, man, I got to say I like that. I'm glad that you guys are engaged and are ready to go. Y'all ready to go? Y'all had a good day tonight? Well, today? You have a good day today? All right, I, I, I need two volunteers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. I didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't say anything yet. One second. I need two volunteers. I need those people who think they are the strongest person in the room. And it will be tested. It will be tested. Katie, uh, Katie, come on, Katie, you're, you're volunteer number one. All right, Katie. All right, what's, who, who am I? Hold on, two people getting pointed at it over here. You, Chloe, both of y'all? What's your name? Lily. Chloe and Lily, come up here, both of you. I'm going to take more than two. All right, I got two, three. That's three. All right, I need a couple more. A couple more. A couple more. You're chill. Look, he's chill. Y'all better watch out. You can come on up here. I got one, two, three. I need, I need you guys. Red hair, black hoodie. Come on up, come on up, come on up. We got, I think we, I think we have enough. 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 What'd you say? Corbin is? Well, we shall find out. I think if we could fit up on the stage, if you could stand up on here for me, all of you just make a line facing, facing the front. The stage is what? Uh, it's lava. Well, be careful. All right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to get in push-up position. Uh, this, hold, on, hold on. I said, who's the strongest person here? It will be tested. And all of you raised your hands, right? So I'm going to get you in push-up position. And every time I say down, you go down and go right back up, and you hold it till I say down. Okay? Once you get tired, you can tap out. Can we go to our knees? Uh, uh, no. We're going for the strongest person here, all right? Everybody, every time I say down, when they do it, we're going to count. And when you, when you get too tired, it's okay. You can tap out and we'll support you. We all ready? All right, push up position. All right. Here we go. Down. Go up, go right back up. Just touch down, all right? Down. Go right back up. Once, once I say down, just go down and come back up. How many? That's two. Down. You can come back up. There you go. All right. Down. We're at four. All right. Down. Five. All right. Down. Six. Y'all got to keep counting. Down. If you're tired, you can tap out. All right, we got one tap. That's all right. We got two taps. Give them a round of applause. Good job. Good job. 
Hold on, hold on. Stay up here. Stay up here. Stay up here. You don't have to keep doing push-ups. Stay there. All right. Down. Eight. Where are we at? Eight. Eight. Down. Nine. All right. On the end, we got to get all the way down. It's done. All right. We got another tap out. Good job. We got three remaining. Here we go. Down. Oh. All right. Two left. Two left. Down. You got to get your chest down, man, not just your tummy. You ready? Down. Let's go. Down. Down. This is good. Come on and down. 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 You got to get down. Got to get down. 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 Both of them aren't anymore. Down. Good work. Good work. Anybody know where we are? Let's just say 20. 21. Good. Down. Ah. You, you good, man? No? You can tap. You ready? Down. Down. Come on. All right. Now I'm going to test you. You got to put your chin down to the ground when you go down. Ready? Ready? Come on. Put your hips up. Here we go. Down. And all the way up. Come on, all the way up. Come on. That wasn't one. All right, we got a winner here. We got a winner. Good job, good job, good job. One second, one second, one second, one second, one second. Y'all worked hard. I'm going to give you some calories. Give you some calories. There you go. Good work. Good work, good work, good work. Oh, my gosh. How many do I have? How many do I have? I have one more. There we go. All right, give him another round of applause. Good work. Uh, we're not going to do another one. What's, what's your name? Who, the lady, the young girl who won, what's her name? I need your autograph before the weekend's over. That was pretty beast mode. That was impressive. Everybody, good job. Good job. Way to put yourselves out there. All right, I, need, I, did that, I, I did that for a reason. I did that to show you what strength is. Tell me some things that stand out to you when you looked at this and said, who's the strongest person? Perseverance, Perseverance good. Yeah, endurance. endurance, anything else? Actually doing a full push-up, <laughs> yes. Hard work, the, yes. Strength, we often think of strength as the person that when things get hard, somehow they can keep going, right? Now, some of us can do five push-ups, some of us can do 20, some of us can do 50, but we look at the person that can keep going when the rest of us get tired and can somehow keep doing more and more push-ups. That's what we think of as strength. Why am I sharing that with you tonight? I'm sharing that with you tonight because often when we look at life, we think that strength is fitting in rather than standing out. It's easy to fit in. It's really easy to fit in, and it's very difficult to stand out. Anybody knows this step before in their lives? It's hard to be a little bit different, right? I, I sometimes do ministry inside of the jail, and I'll go into the jail, and I will meet with young teenagers who are being charged as adults, so they're facing some serious crimes. And every time I meet with them, they'll talk to me about how individuals, how much individualistic they are. I'm my own person. I'm my own man. I can do what I want. And then I look at them, and they all have do-rags on. I don't know if you know what a do-rag is, but something you put on your head to keep it nice. And I look and say, why does everybody have do-rags on? If you're your own person, why do everybody dress the same? <laughs> you ever think about that? 
The most difficult thing to find many times is someone who has the courage and the strength to do what no one else is doing. Strength is being able to do when everybody else gives up, being able to stand. My prayer for you has been this weekend, Lord, allow me to find some kids who will have the strength to follow you with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, with all their being. You know what? I've realized tonight during the worship song when you were invited to kneel down, I thought, huh, will anybody kneel? You know why? That could be a little awkward. I love, the, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. But guess what? My friends are around. I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to be that Jesus freak. I'm not going to do that in front of my friends. And you know what happened? So many of you still knelt. And as I was in the back praying, I said, oh, we got some strength in this room. Oh, we got some strength in this room. See, when I was in college and I was an athlete and I did all these things that seemed strong, and I gave my life to the Lord in college, I'll never forget the first time I knelt in front of my peers. It meant so much to me because we were singing a song that you might not have ever heard, but it goes, everything, you're everything to me. You're my peace. And then it gets to this part where it says, I bow before the king. And if it's singing it, I thought, I want to bow. But then I looked around and everybody I knew was in the room and they were all Christians. And I was like, I can't bow. Like, nobody else is bowing. And you know what I realized in that moment? I said, Jesus, I don't care. You're my king. You're my Lord. You're my savior. So I'm getting on my knees, and I'm raising my hands, and I'm worshiping you. That was the moment that I found strength to stand out. But you guys are a lot younger than me. And you're already willing to bow, not waiting for anyone to give you approval. That is strength. What I like to say is this. Strength is not, is not the absence of weakness. Most times people think, in order for you to be strong, I cannot have weakness. Let me ask you, what was your name again, young lady? Zoe? Chloe. Chloe. Did those push-ups hurt? Yeah, they did. Where's the young man who went to the end, too? What's your name? RJ. Did those push-ups hurt? Yeah, they did. Strength is not the absence of weakness. Real strength is being able to face your weaknesses. You know why I say that? I meet too many people who think, I want to be strong. There's nothing wrong with me. And I look and I say, the real strength is can you look at your weaknesses? And can you work at them? And can you impress them? Can you improve them? Do you have the ability, the endurance, the perseverance to look at your weaknesses and not be ashamed and not shrink back? I am encouraging you that you would dare to be different and allow yourself to look at any place that God would want you to grow. Show of hands if you heard of a guy named Joseph before. Show of hands. Not in your school, but in the Bible. Okay? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I don't know that Joseph. I'm in the one in the Bible. There's a, there's a young boy in, in, a, in a book of, of uh, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, named Joseph. And Joseph was young, and Joseph had a weakness too. And Joseph's weakness is one that most of us have, which is when he hears something amazing, Joseph has to tell everybody. Right? It actually says this when Joseph told his family what was a, what God had put on his heart. It says that Joseph's dad pondered these things in his heart. Ponder. Anybody? Y'all might be too old for this. Um, Pinky in the brain. Y'all ever see that cartoon? And he says, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Y'all remember? No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We're on the same page. But pondering means that you consider. It means that you think about these things in your heart. Joseph was too young and immature that whenever he heard something good, it came right out. And unfortunately, social media makes us do the same thing. Whenever we hear anything good, eat anything good, see anything good, boom, we got to post it, put it up. But he 
told everybody. And when he told everybody how good he was going to be and all that God was going to do in his life, his brothers didn't like it. Anybody remember this part? What did his brothers end up doing? And threw him to well. And then what did they do? Sold him. him You said that with too much joy. Sold him (laughs) into slavery. I don't think Joseph was that happy when that happened. But I'm glad that you had the right answer when you answered that one. Yes. So, so, Joseph was sold into slavery. He didn't say it that excitingly, but I'm really glad that you had the answer to that. What I want us to know about Joseph's story, which is also true about our story, is this. That we talked about things being out of control. We talked about this morning how when things... When things are out of control, we tend to want to put things into our own control. And I want to talk to you tonight about how it's more important for us to give the Lord control of our lives. What I want you to know is this. In the midst of chaos, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you in the midst of chaos, whether it is in your home, whether it's in your school, whether it's chaos that you've kept and made yourself, whether you look at things as happening in the world, and sometimes we say, where is God? I want to encourage you with this. The Lord is with you. And maybe you haven't experienced a lot of chaos yet. So if you haven't experienced chaos yet, take this now so that when you encounter it, you would know the Lord is with you. Do you believe me? Are you sure? Absolutely. The better point is that it's actually in the Bible. Y'all ready for this? So I want to read from Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him, put him in a slavery, bought him, and from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Uh, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of this Egyptian master. So now here is Joseph in chaos. He is in slavery, and verse 2 says the Lord was with Joseph. What? Lord Jesus, I'm in slavery. I'm in this guy's house. My brothers betrayed me, and the Lord is what? With him. Can we go any further in the story? What happens next? Anybody know what happens to Joseph next? He becomes a leader of the house. Yes. And then what happens? I love this. This is good. Yeah. Give the PG version. Yes. Potiphar's wife lies on him. Yes. And he goes to jail. Good. Thank you for keeping that PG. Um, So he goes to jail. Now, what do you think I'm going to read and tell you next? Take a guess. Yes, we're going to get to that next. What do you think I'm going to tell you about Joseph while he's in jail? Oh, somebody's picking up what I'm putting down that the Lord was with him. Not only am I going to tell you, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to read it from the Bible. So Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 to 23. Did y'all know this was part of Joseph's story? Did you know that in the midst of his chaos that it specifies that the Lord was with him? Genesis chapter 39, the same chapter, verses 20 to 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, uh uh-oh, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. 
The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success wherever, whatever, whatever he did. In the midst of his chaos, the Lord was with him. In the midst of your chaos, the Lord is with you. You can trust him even when you get into hard places and hard things. You know why this is good? If we only had a God who was powerful enough to do good things for us in good situations, he would be pretty weak, right? But to have a God who can meet us in hard places is a really good thing. So Joseph so far has been in two different places. Where's the first place? And this in part, who's been with him? God. So what happens next? Joseph at some point finally gets out of prison and everything's happy and good and they have a merry, happy ending, right? Who knows what happens to Joseph after he gets out of jail? Mm -hmm. He he gets out of prison. There's a famine in Egypt. He gets put in charge of all the food. I'm going to tell you a personal quick story about myself. So I grew up in South Baltimore. We didn't have a whole lot of money. So I went to high school. I went to college. I graduated. I got a job. And I thought, I don't have to be poor anymore. And guess what year this was? Ten years ago, 2008. Anybody remember what happens in 2008? The great, well, not the great, what is it, What? There was a stock crash, the Great Recession, and not only was I poor, now the whole world was poor. Go figure. I thought if I could just get out of living where I lived and get a job and make it, that's what life was all about. And then I finally get to the place of getting a job, and then everybody is suffering financially. And I looked at God, and I said, Lord, what are you doing? And all I heard him convince me of was this. I've prepared you where you were so that you can lead others through similar situations. I want you to understand, here's Joseph who had a dream, a vision of God doing great things in his life. And the next thing he knows, he's in slavery. And the next thing he knows, he's in prison. I don't even know if Joseph was fully aware that God was with him. But the scriptures tell us that God was and he gave him favor. So Joseph learned how to thrive in hard situations. Hear this, Joseph learned how to thrive in hard situations. My prayer is that God would touch the heart of some youth here this weekend that would have the strength to dare to be different, to follow the Lord through hard things that you would learn that the Lord can cause you to prosper in the midst of chaos. But why did he go through it all? Joseph finally gets out, and now the Lord is saying, Joseph, you see how faithful I was to you in slavery? You see how faithful I was to you in prison? I want you to show people my faithfulness as they go through a famine. I have been preparing you to lead people through peace and chaos. As I led you through chaos personally, I want you to lead others through chaos publicly. Do y'all believe me? Do you think this really happened? What's better than me just telling you that it happened? Oh, I'm going to read it from the Bible. Genesis chapter 41, verses 53 to 55. That's what it says. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. So they had seven years of Joseph being second in command, and they had abundance. Yay, Joseph, you got everything. But he also knew seven years of famine would begin, and it did begin, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food because Joseph knew how to keep the food. When, when, the people, when all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. God had equipped Joseph to be able to lead people 
through a famine. God had equipped Joseph through his chaos so that he could lead others through chaos. I want you to hear this tonight, that God is with you in your chaos, and when he gives you peace and chaos, he's not going to say, now everything's good. He's going to take you to another place and say, now you lead people through that too. If you're willing to be strong enough to be different and to stand out. You know, there was someone else that lived a life similar to Joseph. Many of us have heard his name. His name is Jesus. Jesus came as God in flesh and he walked among the earth. And the same people that should have welcomed him persecuted him. The same people that should have been drawn to him and loved him were the same people that then said, we're going to turn you over to the government. We're going to put you in prison and we're going to crucify you. We're going to send you to the cross with criminals so you could be unjustly crucified. You're going to hang next to criminals as if you were a criminal and we're going to have you be killed. He was sent to the grave. Three days later, he rose, rose again from that grave, and now he has life, but he didn't just leave and say, I'm good, I'm free. He came from the grave and then said, I'm coming back to you, and I'm saying to you, I am with you as the Lord was with Joseph, I will also be with you, and I've been in the same chaos you've been in. I've walked in the same shoes you now walk in, and I've even gone to the pits of hell, and I've come back to lead you through this life. You see, Jesus, in many ways, is like Joseph, who was leading people through the famine. He has come to lead us through our chaos and to be with us. Do you believe that? Can I ask you some deep questions real quick? Y'all ready for this? I'm going to ask you to be courageous. Show of hands, who believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and has given you eternal salvation? Okay, so let me make sure I'm understanding this correctly. You believe that that day, hopefully very far away, but who knows when, when you die, that people will come to your funeral and you will be able to, the people around you will say, they're not in that case, they're not in a funeral case. You believe that when you die and you're put under the ground, that God has the power to snatch you from the grips of death. You're telling me you believe that? You're telling me that you believe that God has the power to snatch you from the grips of death and give you eternal life? That you're going to live forever? You believe he has the power to conquer death? If he has the power to conquer death, do you also believe he has the power to conquer your chaos today? Y'all can say that with more confidence. If he has the power to conquer death, to pull you out of the grave, do you believe he has the power to conquer your chaos today? Yes. Say it again. Yes. Say it again. I don't want you to forget that. Whenever you feel like God has abandoned you, I want you to remind yourself that, hey, he has the power to pull me from the grave. He can pull me out of this chaos. Whenever you feel like you're in so much chaos that he would abandon you, remember that if he was with, God, if he was with Joseph when he was in slavery and it's written right here in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 39, the Lord was with him, know that God is with you. If you're in the midst of a storm, you can see his presence saying, Lord, why am I at such peace as I'm in this storm? I want you to remember that the Lord is always with you. But the question is, are we willing to surrender our lives to his authority and power? I'm going to give you two words tonight, and I want you to think about these as we wrap up our time together. 
Most of us are tempted to live independent lives. You're in that stage when you're, you're teenagers and you're trying to figure out what it means to be independent, which means to be an individual, what it means to stand alone, and your parents don't have to tell you all the time what to do. Stop telling me to clean my room, mom. Dad, leave me alone about breakfast, right? You want a little bit of independence, which means I can stand alone and make my own decisions. And we often treat God that way. God, I've been following you for most of my young life, but now I want to date whoever I want to date. Y'all know, you know, some of y'all be feeling that way. God, I've been following my whole life, but now I just want to do whatever I want to do. I want some independence. And you can choose to live independently, relying on your own strength. Or you can surrender and live in dependence on Christ. Which is, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I've got nothing. Like when I die, it's not going to be myself who raised myself from the grave. Y'all know that? When I die, it's not going to be me who gives me eternal life. It's going to be you. My life is dependent on you working in my life. My identity is dependent on you telling me who I am. My career is dependent on you directing me with the gifts you've given me. My relationships is dependent on you teaching me what it means to love. Every part of my being is dependent on you. I'm going to end with this last story about surrender. My amazing wife is in the back back there, right there, sitting with her arms crossed, looking like she's so happy. Look at, look at those dimples. She has dimples. Look at her. That's my amazing wife of almost 12 years. And I want you to hear this story. You're going to have your own story. I want to keep telling you. I hope your story is one of courage and adventure. There was a moment when I was in college and I was trying to figure out love and I was in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in. I was in sin. And then I felt the Lord convicting my heart and saying, George, I've created you for more than this. And I was like, yeah, but God, I live in the inner, inner city. I live in poverty and she lives in the suburbs. I don't have a car. I catch the bus and she has a car. So we go everywhere in her car. I don't want to give up all these good things. Right? And she was beautiful. And I played football. I had everything I wanted. And yet I was still empty in my heart. So at some point I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to break up with this person. We don't have the same faith. We're living in sin. So, Lord, I'm done. And the next thing I know, I'm standing on a bus stop next to the rats in Baltimore City, 4 o'clock in the morning, catching the bus back to Morgan State University, thinking to myself, this is the best I've felt in years. I remember it was, the sun hadn't risen yet. I was on a bus stop, and I'm looking up at the sky, and I'm praising God just because I'm just with him, and now I'm walking in obedience. I've surrendered my life. But I had no idea. I thought if I left this young lady, I would have no other hope in my life. Who else would care about me? <laughs> that woman back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's what I want you to hear. If I didn't trust the Lord and surrender... I'd have never met my wife today. I wouldn't have the three kids that I have. I wouldn't have the life that I have. When you are challenged to surrender, if we're honest, there's a fear of letting go of something and saying, Lord, do you love me enough to give me what I feel like you put in my heart to desire? Lord, do you love me enough that if I let this go, that somehow you'll still meet me and give me something good? 
Do you love me enough that what I let go of will you provide it? That is one of our biggest fears. Will I be accepted if I kneel down and worship? If my friends know my faith, will they still want to talk to me? When we want to surrender, there's something that we are afraid to let go of, and it wants to cause us to be independent of God. I want to encourage you that you would be independent because God's plans for you. I can tell you this over and over again. Last thing I'll say, God's plans for you are beyond what you're even desiring for yourself. His plans for you, hear this, are beyond what you're desiring for yourself. If I could tell you what, how the depths of that, any adults here learned that yet? God's plans for you. You might think in your mind, this is what I want. That ain't got nothing on what God has planned for you. Are you willing to surrender? going to pray for us and then we'll dismiss for small groups. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you were with Joseph in every step of his life in the hard places you met him there. And somehow in the midst of chaos, you enabled him to prosper. But even as he came out of that chaos, you then put him in a place where he could lead people through chaos. I pray that you would give the young boys and girls in this room the strength, Lord, to follow you with all their hearts and mind and their soul. I pray, Lord, that they would know that you're with them every season, whether it's peaceful or chaotic, that they would know that you are their God, that they are, you are with them. And Lord, when they get out of the chaos, would you use them to lead people through their chaos? But most importantly, Father, I ask that any areas in their lives that need to be surrendered to you, that you would let them, give them the strength to let it go, to trust you, and to believe that your plans for them are much greater and much more glorious. It might not be easy, but it is much more glorious. As we go into our small group times, Lord, would you give us honest conversations, allow us to share our hearts, and encourage one another in truth and in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.